0: Parshas Parshas emar. In the middle of the parsha, we have the discussion in the Torah about all of the mayadim. Eila mayadeh Hashem, These are the mayadim of Hashem, the festivals of Hashem, proceeding to go through all the shalash regalim and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, etc. After the discussion of the mayadim, the Torah describes the lechem apanim. Lechem apanim were breads that were shaped in a certain unusual way. They were called lechem apanim because Panim simply means surface, the bread of surfaces, because there were very many surfaces that were exposed in the way that the lechem apanim were formed in an unusual way. The Lachem Aponim sat on the Shulchan an entire week. They were baked on Friday. On Shabbos, they were placed on the Shulchan, replacing the old bread, which was eaten by the kaihanim. and they would sit for a full nine days until the following Shabbos, and then they would be eaten again by the kaihanim and replaced with new Lachem Aponim. Another interesting element about the Lechem HaPonim was that there were 12 of them, and they were stacked up, six on one side of the Shulchan and six on the other side of the Shulchan. And then there was a spice that was put in two different Bazichen, Levainot, Frankincense, and it was placed in different, Machlek is exactly if it was placed on top of the or on the sides of the Lechem Apanim, but there was a lot going on. Clearly, in the process of the Lechem Apanim, a lot of a lot of different pieces moving, and it's difficult to really get a grasp of what the Lechem Apanim was all about. There are so many converging ideas. In fact, the Rambam in his Ma'ariv Buchem says that he doesn't understand what the point of the Lachem Apanim was. The Meir Nebuchem describes famously how all of the Karbanes and all of the Avedes HaMikdash is rooted in an effort by HaKadosh to wean Qal Yisrael away from Avedes and he describes all of the Avedes in the Mikdash, one after another, and how they, these are corresponding to what the Avedes of the world was at the time and how addictive those services were and how Klai Yisrael as hard as this is to say they would not have wanted to take part in the Tairus Hashem were it not for the fact that HaKadosh Farko gave them a similar type of Avaidah as the Ga'im had and so Farko mitzavadam Mitzavah them the Karbanes Ne'Avaidah amikdash in order to lure them away, in order to wean them from this addiction that the world has towards Ava Dazara. And the Rambam in Marinavukim, fascinatingly, in Parak Gimel of Marinavukim, Aism Hay, he says, the the placing <laughs> upon the upon him by Siba. I don't understand I have no good reason for why that is, what the need for it is. I don't know until this day. I cannot be the purpose of a upon him. I don't know. I saw recently from Ramesh Estav, who was a a Rebbe here for, I think, two years in Yeshiva. He's a Rebbe in Karim B'yavne he says that the Eben Ezra says the same thing as the Rambam in Zemira Shabbos. In Zemira Shabbos, which is one of the Zemmers are attributed to the Eben Ezra, in Kiesh Mera Shabbos, he writes, Rosham Bidas HaKel It's written in the Taira Das HaKel in the religion, in the, in the Book of Laws of Hashem. Chayk El Siganov It's a chayk. It's a decree that was Placed on the sagan of on the kaihanim, by larech lechem panim The simas lechem upon on the shulchan is a chay. It's something that's very difficult to understand. What the purpose of these lechem uponim were that were put on the on the on the on the, on the shulchan every week? Lifnei Hashem tamid, It's supposed to be in front of Akedat Baruch at all times. Why are we putting these funny shaped breads on the shulchan an entire week? Six on one side, six on the other side. What's the purpose? I don't know. Now, even though the Ramam and the Ebenezerah feel that it's something that we don't understand, there's no Siba that we can really explain it in an easy, nice way. But the Zayar, especially Chashiv to mention a Zayar on Arab Lag Ba'imer, the Zayar says a Siba... For the Lechem HaPonim. The Zayar says that as long as there was Lechem HaPonim placed on the Shulchan, there was no lack of bread in Klai Yisrael. The Lechem HaPonim was a up for parnasah, And he says all of the Ashbaris and all of the brachais coming from Shemayim they flowed right through the Shulchan, right through the Lechem aponim, and that dispersed onto Klal Yisrael, Bracha, and Parnassah, and Mazarin. All of that came from the Lechem aponim. It all went via the Shulchan, through the Lechem HaPonim, um, Gavaya kazachu. they were Zeche, Klal Yisrael was eating on a daily basis from Mishulchan Gavaya, from the table the elevated table of the Rabbeinu Shalem, in the Mishkan, in the Heichal, that's what the purpose of the Lechem HaPonim was. The Ramban, in Shemais Perak HaFei, Pasuk Dalid also, The shulchan b'lechem haPonim, b'ay tocha wa bracha, the bracha of Kla Yisrael in the Mazarin is found in the bread of the Lechem HaPonim, u'mimenu yavai yasei v'locha Yisrael, the sustenance, the satiation of Klai Israel is rooted in the lechem upon him, and that's why says the Ramban Chazal tell us, in Shem'agiyah How much bread was allotted to the kaiyanim on Shabbos when they were dividing up the lechem upon him? All the kaiyanim that wanted were given, but they were given a little amount, the size of a pole, the size of a little bean. It's not so much. You don't get full up, filled up by a bean of challah. But yet, there was a bracha in this bread that you just have to eat a little amount of it, and you were immediately satiated. You were full. You felt good. Nehamban says the reason for that is because this is the makar of Svi'ah for call Yisrael. The shokan with Alech was the vehicle, was the instrument to bestow bracha as far as the sustenance of Klai Yisrael, the Parnas of Klai Yisrael came from the Shulchan with upon him, And the Chinuch writes a similar thing in Mitzvah tzadi Yizayin, quoting the Ramban. Now once the Zayar and the Ramban open up the doors to explaining, to giving us a little glimpse into the purpose of the that apparently eluded the Rambam and apparently eluded the Eben perhaps we have a Mokim there we can maybe explain some of the other interesting things that we find about the Lechem aponim in the way that they were stacked, in the way that they were placed in the shape of the Lechem aponim if we know that it's the parnasa issue now. So now perhaps we can explain some of the other fascinating details of the Lechem aponim As I said before, prior to the mentioning of the Lechem aponim in this parasha, by the way, the Lechem aponim was also mentioned in Parasha's Trumo. In the building of the Mishkan, there was already a, a mention of Lechem aponim and even though that wasn't one of the clay Mishkan which was you know, which is what Parsh's Truma is really talking about. There are Mefarshim that want to say in the Lamdas of Lachim that the reason why it's in Parsh's Truma is because it might have, it's a part of the binyan of the Shochan, if having the Lachim Aponim on it. Even though it was an edible structure, some want to say that the reason why it was placed in Parsh's Truma, and in fact the Chinuch, when he brings this mitzvah and the Rambam, they bring it from the Psukim in Parsh's Truma, is because there was a, there was a, uh, it was perhaps part of the actual binyan sholchim because it was there the whole week. It had to, the sholchim needed to have lachem upon placed on it constantly. But before in our parashah there is a mention of lachem upon him that it should be baked every day. hashabbos, hashabbos, There should be placed weekly lachem upon him, and it was eaten on Shabbos. And it was Lipne Hashem Tomid. We have the Parshus HaMayadis. All of the Mayadi Hashem are mentioned prior to the Lechim Aponim. At the beginning of the Parsha HaMayadim, there is an unusual puzzle that everybody is bothered by. Everyone. The pasuk says, <laughs> These are the Mayadim of kaidesh, ashertikrayt mayadam, and then you'd expect it to start going into pesach shmul and sukkos roshani and kippur. But before that, there is a pasuk that starts the parashiyos of the yamim tayvim, and it says, yamim For six days, you should do work. Six days you should do work, the seventh day is Shabbos, it's a Shabbos for Hashem in all of your habitats. Which clearly seems to be a Passoc talking about the week. After the big Akdom of the Torah, these are the Mayade Hashem, these are the Yamun Taivim, it speaks about Shabbos, and so we know Pashta, Shabbos is not one of the Mayadim. Shabbos is something special. It's a very holy day, but it's not a Mayim. The Mayadim are the Shal Shregalim, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Those are the Mayadim. Shabbos is not. But yet the Torah starts the parsha of the Mayadim with a proset defining Shabbos. Shabbos. And all the Mepharshim, starting with Rashi, jump on this like And Rashi says, oh, it has to be that there's a heckish between Shabbos and the Mayadim to teach you that if you keep the Mayadis, it's like you keep Shabbos, there's a heckish between Shabbos and the Mayadim. That's the way Rashi learns. And there's a lot of other different approaches to what exactly the Torah is doing by placing Shabbos in the beginning of the Parashas HaMaiadis comes along the Vilna Gain and he says a unique pshad in this Pasuk that really makes a lot of sense this Pasuk of Sheshes Yomim Teos Melacha Mashvi Shabbos Shabbos and Mikra Kodesh is not talking about the six days of the week and Shabbos that we're going to have in Mitzvah Hashem tonight. It's talking, in fact, it's giving you an overview of the Mayadim of Hashem, of the yamim tovim. What does that mean? Six days of the year, not of the week. Six days of the year you are permitted to do work. What does that mean? There are six days of Mayad. There are six yamim taivim that you're allowed to do melachas eifel nefesh. The Torah says that you're allowed to cook on yontif in order to enjoy yontif. yamim What are those six days? You have two days of Pesach, first day and the last day. And just two days of Sukkot. That's four first day, last day. You have one day of Shavuos, that's five. And one day of Rosh Hashanah, that's six. On the seventh day of Shabbos, what's the seventh day? That's Yom Kippur. On that's the day that you're not allowed to do Eichel Nefesh. All Malacha is prohibited just like Shabbos. You're not allowed to do Malacha Yom Kippur. You're also not allowed to do Malacha. The Gra it took till the 1700s, for an individual to come along and say a different chat in this Pesach. It's not talking about six days of the week and Shabbos. It's talking about six days of the year and Yom Kippur. And that's why it fits so beautifully into the beginning of the Pashas and Mayadis, because it's giving you a, a glimpse, like a panorama of what's going on, what we're going to be reading about afterwards. There's going to be six days that are holy, but you could do malachas et al-nathush on those six days. And then there's going to be a Shabbos in Kippur, which is Kaddish Hashem. No malachah is permitted to do on that day. It's a brilliant pshad of the grok. When I first saw this grok, the first thought that popped into my mind, and Baruch Hashem, I found that as was to a gifter in a Sefer of Pirkei the first thought that came into my mind when I saw this girl is, is it a coincidence that the six days of the week and then there's a Shabbos and then there's six days of Yom Tavim throughout the year and then there's a Shabbos? It's not a coincidence. There's obviously a parallel between the six days of the week and then Shabbos and the six days of Yom Tavim during the week and then Yom Kippur. Clearly there's something going on. There's a relationship between that the Torah wants to express a parallel between the weekdays and the Yom Taivin. The everyday, ordinary, quote-unquote, mundane Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then you have Rosh Hashanah, and you have Sukkot, and you have Pesach, and Shavuos, and then at the end of our weekdays you have a Shabbos, and at the end of those Yom Tayyim you have Yom Kippur. There's obviously some heckish between these two things. And I believe that the heckish may be as follows. We know that the Mayadim are called Mayadim. mayadei Hashem. What does the word Mayad mean? So the Maral, in his introduction to Ar chadosh he has one of his Svarmas called Ar chadosh The Maral says as follows that Mayadim kula mayim hachibor v'advekos sheish li Hashem The Mayadim speak to the closeness, the, the attraction. And the bond that Akrishfakh and clients shall have to one another. As the Passock in Shemais Chafei says, I will meet with you on top of the Kaparis. The Ayel Mayed, what does the Ayel Mayed mean? The tent of meeting. A Mayed means, it's a lashna like a vad. What does a vad mean? Avad means it's a it's a time that we come together. It's like a meeting. That's what avad means. Yom Tovim are a are a time that we and Hakadosh Baruch meet. We have a rendezvous, as it were. We're able to come and see the Pnei Hashem. Shalish pum bashoni eron kol zechurchas Pnei You are able to see Hakadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyachol. Hakadosh Barucho sees us. There is a mutual meeting, face time, that we have with Akedesh Barucho on the Mayadim. These are times, very special times of closeness with Akedesh Barucho, six days out of the year that we get to meet with Akedesh Barucho face to face, as it were. On these days, at this special meeting, at this special date, that we're able to go and spend time closely rejoicing with HaKadosh Baruch Hu on these momentous occasions, and each occasion obviously has their own special motif, has their own theme, has their own purpose for our neshama. but these are days of intense interfacing with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You're allowed to perform Eichel Nefesh. is mutter. If it's is Eichel Nefesh, if it's something that we could attribute to being able to create food, to rejoice, to be happy, to make a chetzel ha'shem, a chetzel to make the day, to round out the day in its perfection, to be able to appreciate Akirish with a happy mood, That's Yom Tov. That's the Mayadim of Hashem. Those are the six days of the year that we're able to have a relationship, the Simcha, or the Malachas al Nefesh of face-to-face time with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what a Mayad is. During the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, a lot of people are under the fallacy that those are days that are sort of completely empty of Kedusha. They're vacuous of Kedusha. Unless it's a day that we don't say Bachchanon, or unless it's a day that's an official Yantif, or an official Shabbos, or an official something. It's just a regular weekday. So it has no Kedusha. It's just, you know, it's one of those days we go to work, and we, you know, maybe we daven a little bit, we learn a little bit, but it's basically not a holy day at all. But the truth of the matter is, that those two are days that we're able to have a face-to-face relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Even during the week, even during the regular Shesha these are days too that are my adam in a certain way. There's a pasuk in Tehillim. We say it in Hallel. As Halech Lifnei Hashem Ba'Artesh Achayim. I will walk with Hashem or in front of Hashem. Ba'Artesh Achayim in the land of the living. So there's a gemara in Yuma that I in Aleph, I'm in Aleph. of Yehuda Zem Mokhem Shvakim. What is the Artesh Achayim? What is David HaMelech saying? That I'll walk with Hashem in the land of the living? This is the marketplace. When you go out to work, when you take a train and you go into Manhattan, or when you go out on a business trip, or when you go out to your farm, or when you go out on Main Street to do your shopping, the Arcei Sachayim, David Amelch is saying that I feel a closest with HaKadosh even in the marketplaces. That's the Arcei Sachayim actually explains because David Amalekh was constantly being chased and running from place to place, so he looked at marketplaces as places that were sustaining him. Rav Gifter says in his on in a on Tehillim, I saw his son-in-law wrote a on him and he quotes his father-in-law on this Pasuk, on this Gemara, that David Amalekh was able to have a relationship with as HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the marketplace just as he was able to have a relationship with him in Shul and in a base Medrash. A lot of us segregate. You know, when we're in Yeshiva, when we're in Shul, when we're in a base Medrash, so we feel a certain way, we act a certain way. When we go out to work, we're different. You know, there it's, you know, it's a doggy dog world. You have to be able to be very and very, you know, cutthroat and be, you know, put all your ethics on the back burner because now you're in the workplace, now you're in the marketplace. David Amel says, no, I'm with Hashem regardless, wherever I am. Es of Hashem in the Midrash, Hashem in the Shul, and I am in the marketplace. So it's all the same to me. The Rabbein Shalom is with me, I am moral, I am honest, I am ethical in the marketplace as well as in yeshiva. I believe that the Yisaid of the Lechem Aponim, as is explained by the Zayyar and the Ramban, that it has something to do with Parnasa, and that it's following the Parasha and the Tire of the Mayades, is telling us a very critical Yisaid in life. The Lechem Aponim is from a lashon face. There are times that we have to interface with that Kedush the le- through the lechem, through the earning of bread, through the eating of bread, through the enjoyment of bread, there's a time that we're able to get close to the Rabbanu to have face time with the Rabbanu When? How are the lechem upon him stacked? Six on one side, and six on the other side. And I believe that that is an allusion to what we just leaned in the parashah of there are six days that you do work. There are really two times six days that you do work. There's the chat in the sheshes yamim, and then there's the chat in the sheshes yamim, but they're the same. There are six days of yantif, mayed, you're allowed to do, this for the purpose of ayakal nefesh, for the purpose of eating, you can enjoy the bread, as long as you realize that the bread comes from the rabbi Sholeim, if it enables you to get closer with the rabbi Sholeim, that is six of the him. Those are the six days of Yom throughout the year, the Rosh Hashanah and the Shabbos and the, the Sukkot and the Pesach and the Shavuos. Those are the Lacham him on one side. But that's not all. There's another six Lechem upon him, stacked one on top of the other. Also lechem upon him. Those are Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Those two are lechem. We earn our bread. We go out to the arts of Sachayim. We get a living. But the bread that we're eating is panim el panim. We have to see the Rebbein constantly as we are earning that bread. We have to feel HaKadosh Baruch at every turn, every business deal that goes good, every business deal that goes bad. HaKadosh Baruch is with us at every single moment. That's also a We get to interface with HaKadosh Baruch constantly. And we eat these Lechem HaPonim, the Kayhanim eat these on Shabbos. Because Shabbos is the day that we're able to see clearly how everything is been Min- how Baruch worked six days to create the world, and he rested on Shabbos, and how we work six days, and on Shabbos we give to HaKadosh a time of his plainness, how HaKadosh Baruch really is the one that runs the world. We draw back from what we're supposed to be doing during the week to give time to see clearly how everything is Menachemayim, how all the bread that we have, as the Zayar says elsewhere, that the Shabbos is the Matarah whom we name is Bachim Shisha. All of the six days of the week that has Bracha comes from Shabbos. Shabbos is the source of Bracha for the week. Going forward and also looking backwards to be able to understand how everything that's happened throughout the week is really from Hashemayim. Min You know, there's really two types of ways of earning a parnassa. There's really three. But there's two major ones that I want to speak about today. There's two templates, suras of parnasa. when a person has to decide what am I going to do. There's a type of parnassa that is local a farmer a farmer is a type of a person he owns a field, he owns a farm and he buys seed he plows the field he plants his seeds and he waits for it to grow the Gemara says in Shabbos on Apostle on Apostle on Apostle when we speak about the word emuna, it's a, f- a reference to the Seder of shas called Droim. And Titus there says that the reason is, he brings from your shalmi, Do you know how much Amuna it takes for a farmer? We think, you know, if you're ever if you're if you're gardening, you know, if you do any like sort of planting, it's a, a little patch of ground. You know, in New York City somewhere, and you have a little, you know, or in the tri-state area, you have a little, wherever you're from. But, you you know, you go to Home Depot, you buy for $3 some seeds of, uh, you know, green pepper or tomato. You plant them and you wait for them to grow. Okay, that's cute. A farmer, if you have acres and acres of land, seed doesn't cost $3. Seed costs thousands and thousands of dollars that he may or may not have. He has to borrow, he has to beg, he has to steal in order to get enough seed to plant crops for the year. And then you have to plant these seeds in the ground. And you have to get a very strong sense of amuna before you do that. Because what you're counting on is not a done deal, not a given. You don't have inside information that that's going to automatically produce a bumper crop. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Maybe the rain will fall, maybe it won't fall. Maybe the ground will be good this year, maybe it won't be good. Maybe, you know, the climate will change. Maybe there will be flooding on your fields. You don't know what's going to be. A farmer needs an intensive amount of emunah. To plant seeds in your ground, you really have to get very close to the Rebbeinah Shalom. It's, it's an intensive emunah. It's mamish olechem haponim. It's a bread which comes from having face-to-face davening sessions with the Rebbeinah Please don't let me fail this year. Let it be a good year. Let it be a Saiva. These are what the farmer's feelings are as he plants those precious seeds into the ground. It's not just a farmer. It's really a lot of people's professions are like that. If a person is an investor, you're investing in the stock market, you're investing in a real estate deal, you're investing in a startup company, do you know what's going to be? You have no idea what's going to be. It looks good, it sounds everything sounds good when you're hearing the deal. But you put a lot of money into it, you put thousands of dollars, maybe millions of dollars in, you have to dive into the revenge load. Shem Maimin Bekhaya elam Bizarreya, before you invest those seeds, that cash, into a business, you have to really dive in well that it's going to succeed. Because you don't know what's going to be successful, and it's all up to the revenge level. That's one type of parnasa. There's another type of Parnassah, which is also very intensively emuna, pure emunah. And that's the Zvolon, the Zvolon template of commerce. Zvolon l'chaif yamin. Zvolon went out on a boat, on Zvolon's flag, on his dagger was a ship. Because the way that Zvon used to do commerce was he didn't sit in an air-conditioned office with a computer and, and trade stocks all day. He actually went out on the boat. He was Meister Nefesh to go on the choppy steers. It wasn't easy. It wasn't safe to go to far-off lands to possibly find some products to bring back to make money on. I saw shots from David Feinstein. He says that the reason why Zvolon was, why was he talking about going on ships? What was the mile of the fact that he was traveling on a ship? Because the Gemara says that in Kedushan, that Pe Gimlam and Aleph, that Hasafonim, Rubam Chasidim, sailors for the most part are Chasidim because you have to be a Chasid to go on a boat especially the boats, I guess the way they were built back in those days, but even today there's a lot of like yachts and cruises or whatever, there's always problems. Or to go on an airplane for that matter, it's not always so, Sammy, I mean, stop and think for a second what you're doing when you're flying on an airplane, it's, a, it's an act of insanity. You're going in like a tin, a, a big tin can, flying over, you know, the Pacific Ocean, are you crazy? Or the Atlantic, or whatever it is, to go to Israel, to go to Europe, to go to Asia, are you nuts? I mean, think about it for, for not to get any, everybody, you know, completely freaked out, but think about what you're doing when you go on an airplane. It's, a, it's an act of insanity. But people do this every day, not just to go and learn their stuff, but to go on business trips. I was once by Rav Shimon Schwab, Zechatzadik Levrach, Mincha by his apartment on Shabbos afternoon, and he was speaking to, to a young man, and he asked the young who lived in Washington Heights, one of his fellow he says, where's your father? His father was like an older man in his 70s and his 80s. And he says, where's your father? How come he's not at the Minion today? So, the person says, oh, he went to the Far East again on a business trip. He was in, I think he was in Diamonds or something. And he was, he was doing a lot of business out in, you know, in Asia and the Far East. And he was there in his 70s. He was traveling, you know, he went on boat or he went on an airplane, whatever he did. And Rishwab, like, was sitting, he was mishyman, he couldn't believe that a man in his 70s and his 80s, was still tra- a wealthy man, was still traveling overseas to, to make parnasa. And Roshwab said, Bin nashal yavi lachmo. With his soul, he comes to bring home the bread. You mamish risk your life. You're not young, you're flying in an airplane so you hope it's, uh, you know, thousands of miles away to bring home a little bit of money. That's a surah parnasa. People are meister nefesh, and you have to dive into the that you're going to be safe on your journey and that where you arrive in some, you know, ice countries with a lot of anti-Semitism and a lot of people that are dangerous people, you don't speak the language, but you're going there right into the lion's den to make some money. You need a lot of emunah. Both things, whether you're living locally and doing parnasa right in your office, if you're a dentist, if you're a doctor, if you're a stockbroker, if you're a lawyer, if you're a, uh, you know, an accountant, a commodity trader, you're doing it locally, that requires a lot of emunah. You're farming, you're investing, you're putting your seeds in the ground and davening to the rabbi and should to succeed. And then there's the other type, the Zvolon, who's going and making deals and flying all over the world to try to drum up business, import, export, trading. That's another thing. It, you're putting your life on the line. Do you know that there's a Gemara Munachis that says that there's a Machleikes, what the shape of the Lechem upon him was? Rebchanin Amar, it looked like a box which was exposed. Like the common pictures that most of the, you know, Chumashim and whatever I have of Lechma upon it looks like a, you know, sort of it's flat on the bottom, it goes up on the sides, then it bends in like a test on both sides. That's the like. It's a box, Prutza, that's exposed, that's open, a lot of faces. Rabbi en ramar Kiminsvina It looked like a swift canoe. It didn't look like a box. It was a canoe-shaped thing. It looked like a fast boat. That's the way the upon him looked. And I was thinking that maybe the Aymech HaDubra is to represent, and the Chazanish, by the way, says that you're yikesly with either one. If you make the upon him one way or the other, it's fine. Both are equally acceptable. And I was thinking that that could be the pshat in the tzura, because we're talking about Parnas issues. We're talking about going out and earning a living, the emuna that you have to have, the upon him, the fact that you have to see every single moment of putting so much faith into the business. It could be a teva prutza. It's an enclosed box. You have a farm, a square farm, and you're living here, but you realize that it's prutza, that you're exposed to the elements. You don't know what's going to be. You don't know whether the real estate market's going up or down. You don't know what the rain is going to produce for your for your seeds this year. You don't know whether the markets are going to crash. You don't know anything about anything. You don't know if you start a a practice or a dentist practice, if any you're going to get any patients. You don't know. Part of emuna, part of the lechem has to involve the fact that we are this template of parnasa, where we're local, we're staying local, but we're teva prutza. We're exposed to the elements. Or it could be Kemin Sina Rakedes, a boat that's going swiftly, the Zvolan type of anas, which also takes so much Amuna make my journey be safe. Allow me to succeed. Allow me to come home safely. That's also Amuna. That's also Akham through every single twist and turn on the road of life earning Karnasa, whatever type of Parnassah you choose, whether you choose the world of commerce or you choose the world of profession, whether you choose something that involves investments, or something that involves import, export. Hakadoshparachu is here. There's a panem al-panem. It's a mayed. It's also a time of hisvadus with Hakadoshparachu. A friend of mine who was a an investor, he spoke once, and I was there. He spoke once with, a, with one of the biggest Paisikim in America. And this Paisik asks him, What do you do for a living? He says, I'm an investor, I do day trading. Investor Saddam. So he says, You know, I'm the kind of you. I'm jealous of you. He says, Don't be jealous, it's not so easy. He says, no, I'm not jealous of that. So I'm jealous of your relationship with Akirish Farahu. Could you imagine how close a person can get? When he's a day trader, every time it goes up, Baruch Hashem. When the stock goes down, I Hashem, please let it go back up. It's a relationship that you don't have necessarily in, in other fields, where you're more set and everything is just so, and you have you know exactly amount uh, an annuity coming in every single day. When you have to live with a fear of success and failure, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is there at all times. There's a lechem ha'ponim. The bread that I'm earning is face-to-face. Just like the Mayade Hashem, those six days of the year, it's also face-to-face in a different way. It's a more relaxed, more joyous face-to-face. It's not the battle face-to-face that you have on a daily basis on the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It's the Sukkot face-to-face. It's the Yacham You're eating with your family, the bread, enjoying it and seeing the Rabbeinu and Everything. Shabbos and Yom Kippur are days that we pull back and we see the panorama of how of the entire year and the entire week was blessed by Akadish Faraku. And then we could go forward more and see more of the Lechimapanim into the week that comes. I want to say one more kesher between the sixth and the sixth, between the days of the Mayad the six days of Mayadem, and the six days of the week. And with that, we'll conclude. There's a Mishnah in Abbas In Parakeh Mishnah, we know that there were ten Nisim that always happened in the on Mikdash. And one of them is, No Yid ever said, I'm claustrophobic here in Yerushalayim on these mayadim. It's so packed in Jerusalem. I have no place to sleep. I can't breathe. You ever go down to you know, like Birchus Kaihanim on Kalamayed Sukkis by the Kaisel? It's like, you know, there's a million people that are gathering there. In the Mish, Mich- 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 you can imagine it was an enclosed area. It must have been packed with millions of people all clamoring to get in, all doing the Hishaba there, but never did a person ever say, "Sadly, I'm Shalom There's no room for me. I feel tight. There's no place for me to sleep here. There's no place for me to breathe. I can't. There's no room. There's no wiggle room here. I, I can't stand it here. Nobody ever said there's old, a person felt a certain radkus when he was by the mayadim. When he went to be Ayla regal, he felt there was plenty of room for everybody. Zotar B'chaim B'lajnar in the Ruach Chaim says in the Maurya Dekhi, What's the Pshad in the Mishnah? K'Imi miderach ha'aylam ba'ayrim shemachma me she'chaveir yesheh b'tsiday umasik i'vulay l'chem m'may panesasay. The way of the world is that people feel if I open a pizza store on Main Street, and then another guy opens a pizza store down the block from me on Main Street, Right away, what do I say? Oh, that guy's taking my business. He's stealing my business from me. Chutzpah. Guy's a ganav. And you take him to a din Tyrean. There's a whole thing. And don't get me wrong. There are halachas without being massive of all. But a lot of people have the attitude. It doesn't matter if you have a pizza store. You're a dentist. You're a doctor. You're a physical therapist. If somebody opens a practice too near you, you complain. You're upset. There's not enough room for both of us. There's not enough money to go around. How can they do this? It's a big fallacy that you're making. Every Rosh Hashanah, whatever we're supposed to make to the penny this year, HaKadosh Baruch has allotted and will give it. A person is not able to touch what's supposed to come to me, not even by a hair's breadth. If I'm supposed to make $100,000 this year, you cannot take not even one penny away. I will make the $100,000. You can open up a business right on top of my face. I'm not going to lose out from that. There is something that HaKadosh Baruch provides. There's a number that we get on Rosh Hashanah. HaKadosh gives it us. By the end of the year, you will get exactly that number. I remember one year I was Arab Rosh Hashanah, and I was pulling up to Yeshiva, Um and I had my kittel, my machzarem. It always, it's always very tense, always a big rush. I think it was, it was either Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. Story is better if it's Rosh Hashanah, so I'll use Ar- I'll go there Rosh Hashanah. I parked my car. This is before we were allowed to park in the in the driveways. The Rabbim. So I parked my car on the corner over here on uh, you know on the side street going down to the Opal. And I backed up, and my tire, my back tire, hit the razor sharp edge of the sewer. And the tire passed. Mama, you know, five minutes before Rosh Hashanah, I was, I was like, and I was so upset. And then all of a sudden it hit me, you know, that I probably made a little bit more money than I was supposed to do last Rosh Hashanah. And the Rabbi Shalom had to like right that wrong. So, you know, if I had a hundred dollars extra, so now the hundred dollars going for a new tire. But that's the way the Rabbi Shalom works. Everything odd, you know, you can't touch what I'm supposed to make. It's not possible. This is something that people, you know, they don't teach this in business school. In business school they teach, you know, you have to go for the jugular, you have to go for the kill, you have to get market share, and you can't let every, anybody else have any piece of the pie. Reb Chaim business school says, do what you have to do. Make a nice business for yourself. The Reb will provide for you whatever you need. Without being, ah, but somebody moved in, i got to sue them. Don't worry about it. The Reb plenty of money to go around. Plenty of money. And I think that that might also be another heckish of the six Lechem HaPonim's and the six Lechem HaPonim's. That we're supposed to take a lesson from the Lechem apanim of the Mayadim. That a person never says, Sali, I don't feel, on Yantif, at all claustrophobic. I don't feel anyone's encroaching on my area. And on the six days of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday also, I, there's no, no, one, no one's cutting into my business. No one's cutting into my business. I'm fine. Open up all you want. I want to tell you an amazing story. An amazing, it didn't happen with a goggle. It didn't even happen with a Tamil Chachem. It happened with a Chasheva Syrian balbas This is a book that I bought many years ago. I don't think it's for sale anymore. If you get it, it's worth $1,000, this copy. Not because of the supply and demand. The lessons that you can learn from this book are aimless shire. It's not about a Godot. It's not from Art's Girl even. It's a book by Stardic Press. His name is Joseph. It's how one man can make it. There's a warning on the book. It says, this book may change your life. Its incredible stories are likely to produce an uncontrollable urge to help others and a strong desire to do good things. This Yid was a a very wealthy balabas that lived in Flapper. Flapper, He was Nifter young. He had cancer and he was Nifter, I think, in his 50s. A person who had such a good heart. Modern Orthodox. Such a good heart. He would go to the end of the world to help a human being. Whatever the person was, whoever he was, Whoever she was, he would do whatever he could to help. There's one story in the book that blew me away. That's why I turned over the corner of the. I very rarely, you know, make dog ears on the top, but when I do, it's it's because there's a special story here. And it's a story that completely blew me away. I told this story to a big businessman the other day. He said, This person's a chassis. It's not normal in business to ever even think about doing this. He had a Rebbe, this Joseph Beda, That's that was his last name. He had a Rebbe, his name was Rebbe Shlomo Kinarik, and he used to learn every day with him. One day he had to go on a business trip, Joseph, to a place called Bentonville, Arkansas. If anyone's at all involved in the world of business, and, you know, Bentonville, Arkansas is the headquarters of a, one of the largest corporations in America called Walmart. Walmart is based in a city called Bendisla, the largest department store chain in, in America. This Joseph Beta had an exclusive deal, he already started with Walmart when they were a much smaller chain and they loved him and he made, it, made a Kiddush Hashem and he supplied them with great products and he was selling linen. He was like the exclusive salesperson of linen to Walmart. You can imagine what that account is worth. Walmart is, you know, they, they, you know, they, they wallpaper the country, Walmart. Every city, every little shtetl in America has a Walmart, and that's the number one, you know, supplier of linens basically. So if I have the account to supply all of the tablecloths and the the towels or whatever it is to, you know, to Walmart, I'm a rich man. I'm doing quite well for myself. Now, he schlepped this rub with him to to Bentonville. He says, listen, while I'm waiting in the waiting room or on the plane, we'll learn together then. And the rabbi apparently had free time and he, he went along for the trip. So they were sitting in the buyer of Walmart's, you know, waiting room, waiting for an appointment with him. They were already very good friends, you know, Joseph and the buyer. They had years of relationship with each other. You know, he was the number one supplier, perhaps the only supplier. And they were, and Joseph was learning with his chavrusa in the waiting room while they were waiting to have a meeting, while he was waiting to have a meeting with his buyer from Walmart. But while they were learning, the rob noticed that Joseph's eyes were gazing upon something in the waiting room. And he says, Joseph, what what are you looking at? He says, you see that guy over there on the other side of the waiting room? He says, yeah. He's my competitor. He's my competitor. He's sitting here. He wants to also sell Walmart stuff. Now, it was very hard for new salespeople to try to get an appointment with a buyer and to break into Walmart, you know, you really have to wow them, you have to dazzle them. It wasn't possible to, you know, they were, Walmart is set with their with their, with their their suppliers. You don't just sound like Walton and get, so it's very difficult. And the guy obviously thought he had an appointment. And it was a big day for a person to get an appointment. So, so Joseph gets up and he walks over to this other guy who he knew to be a competitor of his, says, there's something wrong. So the man sighed. He said, "I've been trying to get an appointment for ages. Somehow I was under the impression that I had an appointment for today, but when I got here, it turned out that it was a misunderstanding. They don't want to see me." So Joseph stood silently for a moment. He was deep in thought, and he said to him, "Let me see what I can do for you." He walked down the hall to the buyer's office. He put his head he puts his head in the buyer's office, and he says, "Frank, as the name of the buyer. He says, it's me, Joseph. He says, listen, why don't you want to see the other supplier? So he says, I don't want to. I don't need his stuff. I'm happy with what you give me. You, you, you give me great stuff for many years. Why should I want to? He says, at least give him a chance, Joseph argued. He says, why should I? And besides, he's your competitor. Are you crazy? What, you want to give away your business then? So he says, that doesn't matter. There's room for Everyone. Why shouldn't he make some money too? So Frank finally agreed to see the other man and Joseph came out with a smile. So he says to the competitor, he says, Okay, go in. He says he wants he'll see you now. He says, He'll see me now? He says, All my stuff is in the car. He says, I don't have my samples ready. I didn't bring them yet. So no problem, Joseph said cheerfully. He turned to the rabbi, says, Come, let's go help him. So they all run out to the car together, to the competitor's car took out the samples, raced back to the buyer's office, quickly set everything up, and the man watched, his competitor was like watching open mouth, what's going on over here? And the rabbi ends his, his story, he says, I was amazed at what I had seen, all this time I thought that I was the one teaching and instead it was Joseph who taught me the real lesson. This is the sight of life. As crazy as it may be, but this is the Hashkapa Satira. This is what Chaim Mulajner teaches us. That May May Adam, Yam you able to be On the six rechem upon him, representing the May Adam, you felt that there was no encroachment. I had plenty of room. There's room for everyone. During the week, though, we don't feel that way. We go out to work and we feel everybody's on top of us and the guy is trying to compete and, and the guy next door and the guy that I'm working with he's trying to, you know, he's getting the raise he's going to get the promotion over me and I'm going to suffer and this and that we feel like everyone is like moving in on us and we have to fight back, we have to push back. Dr. Chaim Olochner every day of the week Sunday, Monday, Tuesday feel that hergish that the didn't felt in the Mayadas. Feel that airbrush of never feeling crowded, never feeling that there's no room for both of us. Feel, understand that there's room enough for everyone. That's what the Taira wants. That's why the Taira says the Parashas Amayades, and in the Parashas Amayades he starts with the Sheishesimayam naisa or the Sheishesimayamayadim, and that's why right after that there's a Lakham with the Shulchan on the Shulchan which represents Parnassah, There's two stacks. There's the Mayad stack of bread of six. And then there is the days of the week stack of 6. They are Rechem on both Amayid. We have Avad with HaKadosh Baruch and during the week we have Amunah in HaKadosh Baruch We see HaKadosh Baruch we should see him every time we go after that bread. And as Shabbos we're able to see the panorama like Yom Kippur of how the year is really all Menasheh Mayim. That's Rachim HaPonim. That's the 6 and 6. That's the Mothinim. And always remember the Sisaid that there's another Kesher between the six and the six. That just like on the six in Yushalayan, you didn't feel crowded. On the six weekdays, never feel crowded. Never feel that somebody else is cutting into your market share, that they're being master of all, it doesn't work that way. Akharishbar who gives everybody exactly what they're supposed to have. Never say tsaliamakam, understand, as Joseph said, there is room for everyone. There's no shortage. Hayad Hashem Tiksa Hakadosh has everything. Every day I say in davening, and I'm the, when I when I have kavano, which is rare, but when I do have kavano, the most remarkable thing I think about the whole Shemini Esrei is two words: the Kaine Hakel. Hakadosh owns everything. You know what that means? That means when you go to Manhattan, you see these skyscrapers, You say, "Wow, who owns that? Oh, Goldstein owns that skyscraper," and you know, and 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 Tish owns that skyscraper, and this guy owns that. It's not true, it's a lie. Ha-Kadosh Baruch Hu owns everything. Every dollar in the world, every piece of gold in the world, every stock in the world, every computer in the world, every skyscraper in the world. Everything is Hashem's. He has a Kenyan on everything. If somebody has a Kenyan on everything, what are we afraid of? Ha-Kadosh Baruch Hu gives us exactly what we need. He has Liyah Kesev, Liyah Hashem, Hashem has everything. We have to have more confidence, we have to have a more emunah in HaKadosh Barucho. believe in him, have a relationship with him, have a lechem upon him, feel through our parnasa that we have a close emunah with HaKadosh Barucho. The first question that's going to be asked of us when we go up to Shemayim is, What is that word, beemunah? Did you do business? Not the emes. Be'emunah, did you have emunah, says Rosh Schwab, when he did business? Did you believe in Hashem, or did you believe in yourself? If you believe in Hashem, in yourself, it's going to be a tough go because there's a lot of vicissitudes in business. You're not, you know, all-powerful, omnipotent, that you can control the markets and the world and everything. But when you have moon in Hashem, it's a much more relaxing life. It could be a week, a weekday, but it could be a yom jiptic, a weekday, because I believe in Hashem, I see Akadish Barofa with me. It's a beautiful week because it's holy, it's infused with emunah, it's infused with lechem apanim, it's infused with whether you're working in a teva prutza, or whether you're working in, on a spina rekedes whatever your type of business entails, there's a close relationship, a chassidus with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that a person can develop in the marketplace that perhaps is sometimes even stronger than you could do in a base Beis As Eshalek lifnei Hashem ba'artis l'chaim ha'avai. We should all be zaychet to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in every single place in the world, whether it's in the Makim Shvakim, whether it's in the base Medesh, whether it's in the base haknesses. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is all over. It's our job to feel that relationship, to see the Panim, El Panim, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Have a wonderful shabbat